Book Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Always appreciate when you stop by and give us a listen. And don't forget to give us a review as well. We always appreciate feedback. So whatever platform you check us out on, please uh, spend a couple seconds after listening and, and write us a review. And like I said, let you know, let, let us know what you think. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of all things music related in terms of podcasts there's something for everyone all different types of podcasts from kiss to classic vintage to whatever it is you can find it on pantheon and follow them on twitter instagram and facebook at pantheon pods as well as pantheonpodcast.com you can also follow the hook rocks on twitter facebook and instagram and now threads um at the hook rocks so please check us out there and don't forget to set your app to automatic download wherever you do podcasts so you get the latest episodes right to your phone. And we've had some great ones recently. We just celebrated our four-year anniversary with Anita Strauss, the great guitar player from Alice Cooper, who's got a solo effort out now, as well as our 500th episode with Dax Nielsen, the great drummer from Cheap Trick. Very interesting story with Dax about how he arrived at Cheap Trick, and it's not what you think. It's not like he was given anything on a silver platter. He had to really work in order to get to the position he's in now, so great conversation with him. And then in the past uh, few months, we've welcomed some great new music spotlights with singer-songwriter Jax Hollow. We had Mitch McCauley from the band Moon Fever, as well as Julia Lauren from the Foxies, amongst a whole bunch of others, and check out all those interviews. We also welcomed uh, Richie Kotzen from the Winery Dogs, Kip Winger talking the new Winger album, as well as Scott Gorham and from Thin Lizzy, along with Don Jameson talking the great epic performance at the Sydney Opera House in Australia uh, that Thin Lizzy performed at. That's now a DVD and a live album. For you to check out it's been released i think late last year so please uh i'm a big huge thin lizzie fan so check that out when you get a chance and don't forget to check out our quarterly top album rankings our top 10 of each quarter we do that uh every three months we break it down and my next artist who i have on the show was in my list for one of the top albums of the second quarter um just an unbelievable album I had the pleasure of interviewing him a couple years ago. We talked about his album at the time, Sun Via, which I called a celebration of music. His new album, Terra Firma, is a very personal record um, and a very philosophical record. And it's got some great insight and um, a very unique and inspirational point of view. And that artist is Nick Perry, and he is from Nick Perry and the Underground Thieves. What's happening, man? How are you? Hey, man, it is so nice to be here. Thank you for having me again. And uh, thank you for the kind words. As always, they are appreciated. Yeah, I was blown away by this album. I mean, Sun Via, 
I always enjoy whenever I connect with my son on music. And there's been a handful of albums over the years where we're able to have conversations about a record. And when he introduced me to Sun Via, he's like, Dad, you got to check this out. I fell in love with it. And it was such a great album. And I was th- so thankful to have you on because it really is, like I said, a, a, a celebration of music. And when I heard you were releasing a new album, I was like, well, what has he got in store for us this time? And I just love the way the album really taps into your spiritual side and how personal it is for you. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for listening. I mean, without people listening to it, it's just something that I'm, you know, doing for me, which I, which ultimately, and I, I guess this kind of circles back to, um, I don't know, in my experience, a pretty true sentiment, which is we, we make the music, we make the art for ourselves first and foremost. Um, anybody who's got any kind of like compass or North star, uh, or authenticity, um, it has to be for you and what you want to hear back at you, or it's got to be something that just pours out in a totally organic way. And that's how I feel about this record. I mean, I don't know what people's expectations were. And that's something that artistically is like a losing battle, like playing into what you think other people want is like, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, man. That's like a recipe for, unless you're ACDC and you have a thing and you're going to stick to it, then God bless you. You know, but unless it's that, it's like you got to follow what's in your heart and what you want to do, or it's just not going to fly because you have to believe in it first and foremost. So um, I really didn't even think, at this honest truth, I didn't think about what it was going to be. I just let it be what it was going to be. And at that moment in my life, I was feeling all these things and I was, I had these concepts on my mind, probably unsurprisingly. Because of my age, you know, hitting mid 30s and having some of the thoughts, watching things around me change that I never thought were going to change, uh, what, you know, losing some people and going through just the general journey of life, you know, you start to question things. And so this really became an album, which I've been calling like the journey of self discovery. And it's like, who am I? on this journey of self-discovery, what, what is my place and where do I fit in? And I just decided to run with it because at that moment, like I said, at that moment, there, there's no other record that I could have made. It's like, it had to be that. And I'm, I'm happy it was, and I'm glad that I got it out. I'm already moving on now to other things. Um, but at that moment, that, that was, that was exactly what I, what I wanted to say. And the only thing I felt like I, I could say, and I wanted to share that, that, um, the personal aspect of things and the spiritual side of things, which, you know, we can talk about if, if you want, how that all came to be. But um, I just felt like it, it had to be, it had to be made. It wasn't really a question. You know, I, is it safe to say or true to say that now more than ever, you can make the album you want in terms of the perspective that you want to share or what you're feeling at the time in that you're not chasing anything because in years past, it always seemed like artists were chasing something, whether it was to be on rock radio, whether it was to be on MTV, to get on, you know, a big tour or whatever. 
And with all the changes in the evolution of the music business that have really impacted rock music, probably more than any other, I think it really is in in the hands of the artists these days because no one's trying to write that song to get on the radio because there is no radio anymore, right? There is no MTV. There's no platform. So everything is organic. Everything is authentic. And as much as it's frustrating for a rock fan to not see artists like yourself hit the mainstream, it's also refreshing to know that when you release an album or other artists in general, it's always going to be raw and real and what they want to do. Is that correct? Well, I have to say, you know, I've done a lot of I've done a lot of chatting with people in my time. That is one of the most interesting and spot on perspectives I've heard in a long time and something that is not brought up very often. And I actually think it is uh, totally true. And I, I do think not to correct you, but I, I do think there is still a small circle who are still chasing kind of that rock radio thing. I know it's a smaller demographic now. I know it's a smaller audience. I know it's a probably smaller number of artists, but there are still people doing that. But I think then you have on the other side, people who just don't care about who, who, who I should say aren't playing that game for one reason or another. And they're just going to do the music that they want to do. And I often feel like the stuff that sometimes really connects is the stuff that's like really pure. And we don't have to look far to go back in time and realize there are moments in our musical history where an artist just went completely against the grain, did what he or she wanted, not for any pretentious reason, but just because it's what they wanted to do. And it really connected in a way, uh, you know, uh, Rick Rubin has this quote that says, uh, people don't know what they want until they hear it because they don't know that it's possible, you know, because it, it hasn't maybe existed before. So it's like people didn't know they were missing Nirvana. They had no idea until they heard Nirvana. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, and I'm not in any way comparing me to some of these other artists, but what I am saying is that I am now on the path, um, as I have been for a long time, uh, of really just doing what I want to do. And I figured as, as long as I'm independent, as long as I don't have a label breathing down my neck, which I did for many years earlier in my story, as long as that's the case, and I have to finance it and promote it and distribute it and wear all these hats of a record label, a marketing team, a publicist, and do it all. as long as it's, I'm going to do all of that, I might as well like love it in my soul. Do you know what I mean? And not have compromised musically or artistically in any way. So for me, um, that's a hundred percent true. And it's exactly what I wanted to do at that time without care of anything. And really one of the biggest proof proofs of that is modern man and even my own band. And uh, my management at the time thought I was crazy because they're like, wait a minute, you want to put the live jam that you do live, which is like eight minutes long. You want to put that, you want to record that and then put it on vinyl. Like no one does that, you know, like that's what you do live, make the studio version, the shorter version. And I said, well, that's the reason I want to do it because no one's doing it. And why can't I do it? I'm paying for it. I knew it was going to be a double vinyl anyway. So well, let's just go for it. Let's just do it. So um kind of breaking down those like limitations that are you know put up by whoever um you know and just going for the stuff that we want to go for and if people didn't do that throughout time music would be in a different place you know there's always people who've pushed 
pushed what you quote unquote are supposed to do, you know? Um, and I, again, I'm not comparing myself to anybody uh, specifically or putting myself in any kind of league, but I knew for me that it was important to push myself and push uh, those around me into places that uh, maybe we previously thought that we couldn't go. I also think that you, you, you said something really interesting in that um, answer that you gave me about, you know, being authentic and, and, you know, not getting frustrated. I think the fact that a lot of artists like yourself are not chasing and you're putting the music out that you want to do, whether it's Modern Man or any other song that you have on this album, I think it also fulfills you more that even though a lot of people in rock music are struggling to be heard, you do have, I think the sense of authenticity is able to capture one's principles, right? And as long as you you have that artistic freedom, I think that allows a lot of artists to overcome maybe the other frustrations that they have in that they're doing what they purely love. They're not bought and paid for. And, you know, they're like you said, you don't have a record label breathing down your neck. You're able to do what you want and you're able to fulfill emotions within you that allow you to make this music, which, you know, you probably have a, a, a sense of more happiness doing it that way, because there's always that deal with the devil, right? I mean, you get signed by a record label and they tell you what to put on the record. They tell you they want you to do a cover of a pop song. They want you to collaborate with this pop artist. And you're basically led around on a leash by them. And even though you don't want to, don't want to do it. I, I was talking to an artist that I don't want to say on the on the public part of this podcast that was told by his label that later dropped him that they wanted him to do a cover of a Kanye song and he wouldn't do it. And it was all based on algorithms and it was based on what they felt would propel him to, you know, to a bigger audience and he didn't want to do it. And uh, I'm sure that he's not the only one that that's happened to but I, I do think there is a sense of with that authenticity, you have a a more of a self-preservation because of that. Yes, 100 percent true. I would also just say, if we're really being honest with each other, that there are pros and cons like anything in life, as as I've come and you and everyone who's alive, <laughs> you know, comes to realize that there's pros and cons to everything. So. Yes, doing it independently, getting to say whatever you want, really having that fulfilling, which it totally is. You're totally right. It's very artistically fulfilling. And there's a level of happiness to put something out, you know, with your name on it and go like, this is exactly what I wanted to say, how I wanted to say it and present it as such, which is a beautiful and rare thing. And but you also have to then accept, as I've come to realize over time. And even right now, you have to also accept, which is not easy, that you are going to be, without some sort of miraculous thing or being the exception to the rule, you are going to have a harder time of, you know, reaching X amount of people. You're not going to have that kind of machine behind you that some artists do. And we live in a society where, especially with social media, where we compare ourselves constantly to others and to our peers. How come he's on this festival? How come she's on this big show? How come their album went top 10? How come this? How come that? So it's a really easy trap to fall into. What I would say is like, 
you know, you got to kind of have like a thick skin and a tough stomach and, and really love it because above all else, all you really have is that satisfaction of knowing that you did what you wanted to do. And, um, hopefully it connects with people. Um, and, and really, and this is a really interesting thing, which again, I've come to realize, and it's one of the reasons I left those bigger gigs, you know, like if I was out with Perry Farrell and I was playing, you know, the home Depot center, we did some big festival and it was velvet revolver and, um, Chris Cornell and Perry Farrell and I was playing with Perry and it was the Home Depot Center in LA. I don't know if it's called that anymore, but it was a giant, uh, I don't want to say stadium, but it was, yeah, it was a stadium. It was like a big outdoor ballpark, right? So imagine how many people were there. I traded that experience. I mean, I did that and it was fun, but ultimately I traded that for going back on my own into playing for a hundred or 500 people in a, in a small club or a thousand people, you know, and doing my own music. So that was the trade-off, but that felt better to me in my heart and my soul to be doing my own music for less people than doing someone else's music for more people. And so I guess we're drawing a correlation here between that and then ultimately what I'm doing now, which is, yeah, I'm releasing the music that I want to release. It is on a smaller scale, uh, but there is more happiness and fulfillment in it than if I was to be some sort of puppet or have, you know, be forced to do X, Y, and Z that I didn't want to do, I'd probably be more miserable, even though I'd have the big machine. So, yes. How difficult is it for you to really tap into your spiritual self when you're writing and, and show that within the music that you make? This time around, it was not difficult at all because it was top of mind. And um, to help this make sense for people who are listening, who have no idea where it came from, I could really summarize it with, uh, there's a really special person in my life um, who actually people may remember from the band Silvertide, which is my first band. Uh, he played rhythm guitar in the band. His name is Mark Melchior Jr. And Mark, at somewhere in his journey after Silvertide, and you know we all went our separate ways, uh, Mark became... Um, a Buddhist and studied with, with some monks and then went on to become a teacher, a yoga teacher, a spiritual teacher. And he's just really tuned in, I would say, as you know, tuned in to, to, uh, I don't know, just a, a higher vibration, you could say. And when you're around him and when you're talking to him, you feel this, you feel this energy around this guy and a calming presence. And my life was so chaotic. I think it hit like an all-time high right when Mount Holly, my another one of my previous bands, uh, with a record label, all exploded in this absolute mess, uh, which was the last time I was signed. So getting out of that contract and that band folding, this is like around 2017, right before I started The Thieves, my life was in total ruin. It was in chaos. Again, you know, it was the... This had happened multiple times, and I just was like looking for a better way to kind of um, deal with my experience on Earth and deal with my emotion, which is like the big one. Is like, can you deal with your emotions in a productive way? Which, by the way, not to ruin it for anybody, it's still hard. <laughs> all these years later, practicing spirituality, meditation, all that stuff, it's still very hard to deal with our emotions for anybody to get some sort of news 
or have something happen in your life and for you not to default to anger, resentment, you know, uh, that that's like how we're programmed almost by our world, okay, and by our upbringing in some cases. So without getting too deep, the idea here is that we, there is another way with practice that you can kind of get control of your emotions and live on a higher vibration, uh, you could say. So Mark had this impact on me. And over the years, as I've been going through my own journey, it hasn't, um, there's just no way for it to have, a, you know, uh, been avoided that it would seep its way into the songs. And to be honest with you, feeling good, even though it seems like it's very simple, straightforward, rock and roll, fun, feeling good. That song is directly inspired by everything we're talking about right now. It's just in a uh, really easily digestible way. You know what I mean? You wouldn't necessarily even, even think about that as being a spiritual song. But if you listen to the lyrics, um, especially when it says, you know, like I, I have everything I need. I don't have money, but I already have everything I need. That's internal. I already have the thing, the tools I need for happiness. And that was a pep talk to myself when I wasn't feeling so good. So that, that's, that was present there. It's just on this record, I really, I dove into it. And because the songs had some emotional weight and because I was dealing with, um, I knew I was going to be dealing with some loss in my life. I was really trying to find a perspective to comprehend and accept and, and find peace with the idea of change and loss and um, sort of, you know, this idea that everything is impermanent in our life. We like to think, oh, this is going to be this way forever, or I have this job forever. I have this possession forever. I have this relationship forever. But the truth is we don't. And people don't want to talk about it. And I understand why, because it's on the surface, it, it's not pleasant to talk about loss like this, that we're going to lose everything one day. So people don't want to talk about it. But the truth is that doesn't make it go away. So as I was wrestling with some of these things, I had a conversation with Mark and I asked him if I could tape it. And so I recorded just the way you and I are recording now. I recorded this two hour conversation with him about some of these things that we're talking about now. And it was such a beautiful thing. I ended up chopping it up into pieces and I asked him if I could pepper it into this concept album that I was building. And it really gave like this kind of thread through the record and really, in my opinion, helped kind of glue it together and really made it feel like an experience. So once I kind of had all these pieces, because I had songs, you know, I had certain songs. Modern Man was around for a little while. Um, there are a number of songs that were around. Come to Me, Last Flame. Um, but as I was writing and kind of diving into all these things I wanted to say, these kind of pictures started to, um, the focus kind of started to become more clear. And then when I got Waiting for You, which is the opener for the record, and then ultimately uh, the title track, Terra Firma, which really for me is like the kind of the spiritual heavyweight and maybe the cornerstone of the record. Um, once that kind of came together with, you know, the commentary from Mark and the spiritual thread, I thought I really had something special. And it may not be what, what everybody uh, expected or what people wanted, let's say, if they wanted Feeling Good Part 2. You know, this is not that. But I do think um, the album rocks uh, in, 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 in its moments, but it also offers something different. It offers something deeper for people who want to go there. Or maybe perhaps like we talked about 
10 minutes ago, maybe people don't even know that they want to go there, but maybe they'll enjoy it. And I, and I have received, I mean, we're already now talking a couple months after the record's been out. I've received hundreds of messages and emails and, that were really moving, like beautiful, uh, made me cry. Uh, a number of, of messages that were really deep and powerful. So I, I, it may not be uh, blowing up uh, to the masses of the world at the moment, but I do think it's reaching the people it needs to reach. And the idea is that it will be out forever, hopefully. Um, and it will continue to reach people, you know, for hopefully years to come. And even when I'm not here, maybe it will reach a set of ears that needs to hear it at that moment. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about music and about uh, putting stuff into the universe and kind of celebrating that it's out. Like to me, if I was going to attach success, and sorry, I know I'm I'm going on here. I'm almost done. <laughs> uh, if I was going to attach success to like how well the album performed or how many vinyls I sold, you know, or what the thing was, like it, that would be silly of me because it's just that's out of my hands. And as we talked about, as an independent artist doing something like this, um, you know, I, I'm being realistic, but. For me, it, I, I, I really felt like just getting this thing made, which was against all odds as an independent re uh, artist to, with no real budget to make uh, a, a double album, concept album, and to have the production value be what it is, which is why it took me so long because I had to raise X amount of money to do it the right way. I wanted it to be as competitive and as big and beautiful sounding as other contemporary records coming out today you know i didn't want it to sound small and uh, inferior i wanted it to i wanted it to really to hold its own so it took time and money it took three and a half years to really do it fully the way i wanted and um so i'm proud and maybe i'm giving myself a pep talk right now too <laughs> but i'm proud that i just got it made period that to me is a success because it didn't exist and now it exists and and that's a win for me what I got out of this album was the acceptance of your personal evolution and journey in life. And what I mean by, I mean by that is you, we are constantly evolving through circumstance, through experiences, through the things we surround ourselves with and who we surround ourselves with and our paths and our journeys are set forth. They can be, they can be changed depending on how our life is or what we're doing in our life. But it's it's about acceptance of our own personal evolution. Some people don't want to evolve, even though they're evolving. It's just the natural makeup of a, of a human being is that you're constantly changing within yourself, whether you realize it or not. Some people never realize it. And the journey is indicative of those changes and of that evolution. You know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine from high school about a month ago we were talking about some of the crazy things we used to do. And I said, you know, I don't even know myself from back then. I don't have anything in common with that person. And I think that's the way life is supposed to be, right? You're just supposed to grow. And I think people who resist it and they resist change and they resist, you know, like you always hear the people say, I'm never going to change my mind. Well, that's a very closed-minded thing to say is right because you may evolve and do looking at things from a different perspective but what i got from this album is was it was about the acceptance of that evolution of your how your how your journey is evolving with yourself 
That's really beautifully said, man. Thank you. Um, yes. And the, the only thing I would say is like the one, so the accepting is the heart is the hardest thing. That's, that's the thing because when we don't accept, we create pain and any, in any aspect, big or small. So, um, it's me wanting to accept and trying to accept and accepting on some levels, but there's always that resistance because again, we're programmed to be a certain way. Um, but, but I think you nailed it. And it's, it's even having the, the like acknowledging and, and, and kind of having the knowledge of this whole thing is already putting you on a different level. So that's a good thing. Do you know what I mean? To have like, to be self-aware that this is even part of it. Um, cause like you said, some people don't even know that they're, that they're in the game, that, that, that they're playing the game, that life is happening. They just, you know, they're, I don't know what they're doing, but they're not aware. So to even be aware, I think is, is to kind of wake up, um, and wake up from the matrix, I guess you could say, it, you know, really easy kind of visual comparison, um, and, and realize that there's other stuff going on and we, and, and it's happening and, and life is changing and we're changing and, uh, you know, get on board. Um, but it's hard. It's hard. And it's a constant, it's a constant thing that that we work at i don't think change is easy for anybody and even even my friend mark who's like he's like a guru it change is still hard for him loss is hard for him uh it'll always be hard but um you know hopefully over time we're conditioning ourselves to have perspective have acceptance etc you know i think of the song exist and i won't change which is another one of my favorites when I think of this album, I have to ask you, and I know you said it was it was probably easier at this time to make this record to kind of tap into that spiritual self that you, that you have. But was there any doubt throughout this process that maybe you're giving away too much? Maybe you're pulling the curtain all the way back, you know, for people to see. Was was that ever, that ever a concern for you? You know, it's so funny. This is so true. And I didn't think about it till right now. You're asking great questions, by the way. Um, so, so the answer is no. Like in the process of creation, when I was writing the songs, when I was singing the songs, when I was producing and mixing, I, I, I didn't mix personally, but I was there during the mixing process and ma- mastering the whole thing. You know, like I was a part of all of this. Um, and all that time that we're talking about personal stuff, and and the sensitive nature of some of this some of this material it never dawned on me how exposed i was it didn't hit me until i started making like well it didn't even hit me when i was making the promotional content it hit me like as i was hitting upload <laughs> you know what i mean like and sharing it on social media like sharing i won't change the lyrics of that song and um and and then it hit me of going like oh shit like okay uh, I'm actually saying this I'm doing this it's too late now but that's that's the only time I came became self aware of it I never thought about it in the process I never thought I never thought twice it just felt like really natural that this is what I should be doing and I just followed that like internal compass uh, I don't have any other words for it um, you know I always say to people like follow the muse. Uh, maybe that's what I was doing. I was just following this thing inside that was propelling me forward. 
and kind of guiding me this like natural instinct, I guess. And putting one foot in front of the other and doing, and doing the thing and doing my best. You know, that's the other thing of like, and I think I might've said this in, in a post I made at some point the day before, or a couple of days before the album dropped, like that's all I have to offer is, is my best. And I know that I did my best in every aspect of this record. And um, that's all I can offer anybody is that I know I did my best, but like we have to know in our, in our hearts because we can fool other people, but we can't fool ourselves. And I know deep inside, I wasn't uh, held back by anything. Um, and I really gave my best. Um, and that's, I, again, regardless of the reception or, or how well it performs, that's something uh, to be proud of and, and to, um, and to hold on to. Were there moments that even though this was natural for you to do this and this is the the album, the music that you wanted to make, was there moments where when in your writing or hearing a song played back to you, the emotion that you were writing about made you hesitant or maybe not maybe hesitant isn't the right word, but reflective on a situation that maybe i mean maybe with the output of creating made you have a different perspective on something that happened prior that you were kind of had the idea in your head of the song you know what i'm saying yeah that's really an interesting question um i'm trying to think back through all the songs if there was a situation like that um well certainly certainly with terra firma which is the title track and um even though there's no lyrics that i i'm singing in the song there's all that um kind of narration so through the album you're hearing mark's voice kind of narrate the record um which i've talked about but in that song uh, you hear my voice. I, I'm the first voice that you hear. Um, and then you hear Mark's voice and you hear some other friends. So I went to friends and family members and I asked them a series of questions and I recorded their answers. And and that's kind of some of the commentary that you're hearing through that song. But Mark's commentary at the very end, where it breaks down to just the piano and synth, it was so emotional when I got, because that piece of music there is so beautiful. Um, I know I'm biased, but I just, I think it's, it's such a beautiful chord progression. And like, I think it's just strings after the, like the big apex of the song, it kind of comes down to just like a, a section of, of strings. And um, right before the actual piano comes in and um, Mark is, he's talking, keep in mind, like this was not staged or put on. He didn't know he was actually going to be on this music and it was just him naturally talking to me on the phone in this conversation that we were having so it's it's so off the cuff and so raw which is why i think it it really hits home and it made me the first time that i put that audio bit over that part i i broke down i just cried i lost it and i it still makes me emotional when i hear that a because of the powerful things that he says right at that moment about life and death and loss and the connectedness of everybody from every 
where leaving the people who who we've we've lost uh it's so heavy that it really made me think about my own life my own situation and how i was going to confront the loss that i knew was coming and um it was just so deep and profound it still does have an effect on me and when i listen to the song which i don't listen to my music you know super often uh on in downtime but i i do listen to the album quite often now still because i'm again creating promotional content i'm doing interviews i'm talking with people and 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 it's coming up i'm doing music videos so i am listening to the music still and um i'm proud of all of it but that there's that moment and at the end of that song that's like it really gets me and um i think not only did it have an uh, impact on me when it was created but i think over time it's going to have a lasting impact on me because anytime that i start to feel um sad or i start to feel a certain way i can go back and listen to that song and listen to his words and it's like therapy that's what it's like therapy for me and i would imagine anybody who's going through any other any kind of similar situation could listen to that song and get get some sort of emotional response from it it's impossible not to because the words and the music are like it's just a beautiful moment i'm really proud that i could it was a total accident you know kind of like <laughs> all this i mean it, it music in general that we create i mean it's kind of all a big accident you just kind of hope that you catch it you know it, it's like a bunch of a series of lucky accidents that's all it is very rarely do we sit down and we go like oh this is exactly what i'm going to do i mean maybe sometimes but it, it but the the final product is always even different from what you think it's going to be and that in itself is like an accident as well does that make sense yeah absolutely i mean i, I keep thinking about like the stages of thought right first there has to be a self awareness of what you're doing right or or how something is impacting you whether emotionally physically whatever and then, you know, in terms of creating, you take that self-awareness and you put it on paper. So now it's on paper. Now your now your thoughts are you're able to read what your own thoughts are instead of just hearing your thoughts within your within your own mind. And then to sing it, or in this case with with the instrumental, is to to play it. It opens up a whole set of different emotions, right? Because you come for, you you have the inside voice to writing it out, then having the outside voice actually saying what you feel. And that has a, a, an equal impact to the original or through, through everything throughout the whole process of that creation, right? Because it's, it's, it's like, it's almost like you're, you have it internalized and then you don't internalize anymore by putting it on paper. And now you have like the verbal output of seeing something or saying something. And that in itself helps healing it helps the acceptance like we talked about earlier with 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 evolution in your own journey and i think with this album encapsulating all of that hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. I, I love it when when an artist can tap into something like that, that is beyond them, right? Because everybody, I would like to think everybody, has these same type, uh, has these same types of stages of of um, commitment to yourself, communication with yourself, all that. And to do it as beautifully as you did on this record, I think really sets it apart from other music that has been put out. Because there is that 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 step by step communication with within you to outward you know outward output to other people, I find it fascinating. Well, gosh, thank you so much. And just to add to what you just said, two things: one is there's another stage after that, which I, I love this kind of stage analogy. But the the final stage is the actual the sharing and the feeling that you have actually in the sharing because it's a really interesting thing that happens when um you even play your music for one person because like and, and this is a known thing with with musicians it's like you know you think something is good and you know you try to poke holes in it yourself and you go like is every part of this as good as it could possibly be and i don't know how other people do it but i think the people who are really really serious about their craft like we try to poke holes in our own shit and 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 make sure that every part is a 10 in what in what the best that we can offer you know that's not to say that someone else of course would take it to a different place but that's not the point the point is that we're doing it right so um but then the interesting thing is is when you play it for a friend which is a really important part of the creation process everything that i've ever done at some point before i commit to it being done 100 i would say 99% of the time, I mean, maybe there's been one thing that I've just, you know, just been so sure of. I just, I just, you know, released it without any thought about what anybody thinks. But I, I usually always play music for friends. And it's not even that I want their opinion so much. It's sitting in the room with someone. And when they're listening, it's like a, it's like a mirror is turned on you. And it's a, and it's like, if there's any weak spots in the song, you know, when you're sitting in the room and you're taking the ride with someone else, you know where those weak spots are. It's a weird thing that happens. And I don't know why, but people listening, you know, who, who do this will instantly know that feeling. And so, yes, it's like having the thought, writing it down, having it become real into like the physical world, recording and, and, and saying it and physically uh, committing to it. And then 
I think the fourth stage is like, is then sharing it and, and having the kind of uh, constitution to stand behind the thought. That's the thing. And like when I was saying a minute ago about like releasing stuff and putting it up on and sharing stuff, like you have to then stand behind that. Do you know what I mean? Because that's your voice. That's your thought. And now you're going to share it and you're going to promote it. Like you better believe what you were saying. You better actually, you better actually feel those things or you're, or, you know, then there's the risk of feeling like a fraud or a phony, which um, thankfully I, I never felt that because I don't say things I don't mean. Um, but that's, that's another, I think, stage in the evolution of creation, which is really cool that you said that. Um, I was going to say one other thing and I kind of lost because uh, that answer uh, went deeper than I thought, but I think we're on the same page with all this. And it's, it's really cool that you are taking the ride and appreciating these things and appreciating where they come from. And um, yeah, it makes me feel good, you know, to know that uh, I'm not crazy and that it is translating, you know, that's the other thing is like, is it translating and are people, are people getting it? And, uh, and the other thing is like, is it still fun? I didn't want the record to be, and I don't think it is in any way doom and gloom. It, it's, it's, it's deeper. It provokes some things, but I wanted it to still be a fun experience. And, um, hopefully it is. Um, and I, I wanted there to be moments of hope and light and joy because it's, that's also part of the experience. And I tried to kind of physically show that with the album cover and with the two LPs. Um, and, and the whole idea about perspective is like, how are we going to look at it? So is it death after life or life after death? Like that was just another analogy, a way of kind of sharing the idea that there's two sides to every coin. There's two perspectives that we can have and it kind of, we have to choose how we're going to look at what's happening to us. Are we going to look at it in a negative or positive way? So kind of comes back again to that idea of feeling good, uh, and because that song is, again, all about perspective. And are we going to choose to look at the things that we don't have? Or are we going to try to focus on the things that we do have? So in a way, there's a pretty strong thread to to that. Um, I guess, I mean, to me, there is. Um, I don't know how other people are receiving it. And, and that's really, that's not my job. I've done, I've done my job. I've said, I've said everything I could say and did it the best way I could. And now it's up to, obviously, other people to make their to feel how to feel how they want to feel about it i i don't think it's doom and gloom at all i think it's like you said i think it's hopeful i think it's it's um it's interesting you know because there in life the realities are when you're faced with something and you have to overcome something and you have to overcome things more than you have success in life that's the that's the true secret of life right you have more things to overcome than you have wins and and uh, whatever you want to call it celebrations but those celebrations mean more when you overcome so much but when you are overcoming thing things and you have that perspective like you said there's a dual perspective there's two sides of the coin you know there is the reactive mode or there's a responsive mode like when you have a situation in life that you can't control that you know is going to happen like you know this is going to happen and it's going to be kind of a downer and you have to move forward. You have to make that decision at that moment. Okay, I know this is going to happen and it's going to suck. How am I going to respond to it and move on, right? Whereas there are people that are reactive where they get a, get upset and they think, 
the world's crashing down. And we all have those moments. No one is is absolved from having that, those feelings. I mean, that's human nature. But at some point, you have to realize that there is a solution for everything. And out of something bad, something good does happen. And sometimes it takes a while to find it. But I truly believe that when you look at every negative situation, you know, whether you learn something or whether your path changed to bring up that path, like we've talked about before, your path or journey changed because of something and something positive happened because of that negative um, interaction or experience. Yes. And literally everything that you're saying, I mean, that's that's the core of of, you know, spiritual teachings that have been around for three four five thousand years i mean that's that's the core of buddhism anyway is is the idea of controlling that's like that's that's it it's controlling our emotions and our responses to the situations in our life like that is if you wanted to boil it all down at least to me that's what it means that's 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 the core of all of it and it is the hardest thing so it's not surprising that it's the core of, of that and other countless um you know, teachings and, and sort of there's the the reason why it's such a hot topic is because it, it literally will define our existence. Are we going to be reactive and out of control and compulsive and, and um, all those things? Are we going to uh, try to keep it cool in the face of adversity? You know, and it's, it's really difficult. It's not easy, but you practice it. That's the whole idea. It's, it's, it's a spiritual practice. It's a life practice. And, um, you know, just like practicing anything else. I, I was um, playing basketball before I hopped on this call and I got back in the basketball after many years of not playing and it's practice. You know, uh, the more I play, the better I get. Same thing with music. The more you practice, the better you get. The more songs you write, the better the songs get. I've been writing songs for, I don't know, too many years to say. I would feel really old <laughs> since I was a kid. And um, the more I do it, the better I get at it. And it's not that it's a competition, but it's like, I think you kind of, you start to get refined in what it is that you want to say and how it is that you want to say it. And I'm excited. I'm excited uh, not only to be present for the release of this album and the celebration of this music, but I'm excited about what happens next because every time I release something and I got, got to get the weight of that release off my shoulders. It's like the floodgates open for the next thing. So I'm already getting songs for what will be the third album one day. I mean, it's going to be a ways away, but I'm already getting songs that are really fun and they almost feel a little lighter and a little bit. Um, I think lighter is, is a, is a great word, not in the heaviness of like the rock. That's not what I'm talking about, but they feel lighter in that I've gotten this kind of, thing that was on my shoulders that I wanted to say and share for so long. Um, because even though the record took three and a half years to actually make real, we're talking about stuff and I had written songs and gone through some of these emotions that would become and pieces of songs that would become this record for years and years before that. So it's really, this was like, um, I started working on this, believe it or not, if you can just imagine this, like way before Sun Via even though some via came out first, um, this was already in the works. It was just too, too big, too heavy uh, to 
make happen. You know what I mean? It's like it it needed time to to uh, become what it became and to figure out a way to actually do it. And that was the other obstacle in this. It wasn't just, okay, I have, like once I had the whole thing demoed, then it was like, great. <laughs> That's that demoed and written. I did the whole thing. And then it was like, all right, now how are we actually going to make this real? And how are we going to physically, you know, manifest a professional representation of this and put it on vinyl? And double vinyl and double CD and double cassette and get it online and get it out to the world or whoever's, you know, tuning in. How are we going to do that? That was that was the next thing. So it wasn't just the record. I actually had the record done, um, you know, a couple of years ago, musically and, and lyrically and, and demoed. But then it was like, how do we actually make it real? So that was a whole other whole other ball of wax that I'm very proud of. Like I said earlier, I'm just proud that I got it. I got it made. You know, when you think of this album, obviously the lyrical content is very important, but there's also like an atmosphere that these songs create with the tone of the music, the actual music. How important was that to kind of mirror and relate to the lyrics with the way the music and the tone of the music? Super important. And I was actually just talking to a friend of mine um Clint Lowry from the band Seven Dust uh, is a good friend of mine. We're sitting at a table the other day backstage and just having a conversation. And we were talking about that kind of moment where things crystallize. So it's like things in your head are kind of floating around, these ideas, these concepts. And then you get kind of get the crystallization. And when that happens, it's like, you know, it's the aha moment that kind of goes like, okay, and it lets you know creatively that you're on the right path and for me um i had some of these songs they were floating around in various stages of completion but i was up at the poconos uh, of pennsylvania the pocono mountains and um i had to kind of go out there alone i went I, and a friend of mine has a cabin and uh during a certain amount of time wasn't going to be there so I, I went into this cabin for i don't know how long eight days and nights brought a bunch of recording equipment and that's why I was really demoing what would become this record. And I had this moment where it crystallized and it crystallized around uh, the opening song waiting for you. And what I wanted to get, which I couldn't even necessarily verbalize, but what I was feeling was I had to get the right balance of hope and melancholy to really to say what I needed to say. And again, I didn't verbalize it. Like I didn't go up there saying like, Ooh, I have to find the right balance of hope and melancholy. That's not what I'm saying, but that's what I had to do now in retrospect. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. And and that I think mirrors exactly what you're saying about it had to be to, to capture the things that we're talking about. You know what I mean? Because it couldn't be, uh, it couldn't be like Mr. Rogers sunshine and be talking about some of these things. I also didn't want it to be like, I said earlier, I did not want it to be doom and gloom and, and depressing because that's not representative of the nature of our reality either. It's somewhere in the middle. And it depends on our perspective, really, which side we're going to lean on. You know, hopefully we're all going to lean on the side of the light and the side of um, the morning light, as I sing about. There's a repeating theme in, in the record. And um, and nature and sun and sun via. And like, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of connectedness with all that. And I think it's because I, I we do turn to 
um, you know, the spiritual and the physical world around us to inspire us. And, um, and so it's, it's again, about finding that balance. But I think when I found it and I think, and I, I got waiting for you and it had that right balance of hope and light and sun and melancholy, uh, with a, you know, a little hint of nostalgia, I found the recipe and, and it wasn't just in the chord changes and the lyric, although that was a big part of it, but it was in the instrumentation. It was in the synthesizers. It was in the guitar tones. It was in the drum and the way that I was creating um, a bed of music, which it, which if you listen back to Sunvia, there's a lot of, even with uh, I Want You, uh, there's a lot of like synthesizer and stuff that that's, and with, um, uh, what's the name of the song? Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. Um, exist? No, not Exist. Uh, I'm drawing a blank from my own album. What's the song that's... Um, oh my God, hold on, I'm pulling up an album. I've just got so many songs in my head. Um, excess. You know, uh, there, there's always been kind of this marriage of like guitar and and synth and creating like this bed and organ, which Justin was playing a lot of organ. This record has even more of that. And I borrowed a Juno 60 from my buddy Robbie from the War on Drugs. And um, I really started to mess around with not only the things that you would hear, like in Space Between, there's this wild synthesizer solo that Justin played that really takes it to outer space, which is what I wanted to represent at that moment. Um, but there's there's these like bed sounds that are happening under the chords on almost all the songs. And it has a lot to do with the marriage of guitar and synths and, and percussion and drums and how that the bed of the track sounds. So to answer your question, I took great care in trying to m match the mood, like we're talking about a second ago, the right balance of hope and melancholy. And I had to make that achieve that through the instrumentation and that and that was really getting that balance between guitars and keys and and the other elements that are there um but yeah i think i i think i did it i think i nailed it for what i was going for you mentioned that this took a while for you to make sunvia came out even though you had been working on the concept and the music for terra firma when the release date came and you put this out and it was ready to go. What did that mean to you personally with the oh. that you took on this for this record? I mean, it was emotional. I mean, it still is. Um, I, I, I woke up that day. I think it was the night before. Um, it was get, you know, after the midnight hour and um, just for the hell of it, I just, I, I started looking around to see certain things. And I'd noticed that the album entered the alternative um, charts on Apple, on iTunes, Apple music, whatever it was. And um, I, don't, I don't remember where it entered, but it was like it entered somewhere in the fifties or something, I think. And I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I was shocked and I, I was having like a real moment. And then I was so excited I couldn't go to bed. So like, you know, an hour later, it was like somewhere between 1 and 2 a.m. I looked again and it was sitting at number 14 in between two Taylor Swift albums and and uh, above whatever Foo Fighters, wasn't the new Foo Fighters, but it was an older Foo Fighters. I don't know. It was something Foo Fighters. And um, to see it up there and I go like, oh, my God, 
And I know that that's not the biggest metric in the world. And it fell off the charts, you know, within a number of days or a week later. Um, but it, but it, there was a moment. I had this really special moment um, where I was like, oh, my gosh, like I, I really did it. And it was sweet. I mean, the only thing I could describe is that it was just like a total sweet, um, you know, like biting into a really sweet fruit and being like, mm, that is just, that is good. That's how it felt. That's how that moment felt. It felt really sweet and that was emotional and it was heavy, but it was just really joyful, you know? And then the next day, you know, it was kind of like back to work. Here I go. I got to promote this thing. I got to do this thing. And there's the trials and tribulations of life and all that stuff. But I had that moment. I really did. And I was alone and I got to really kind of soak it in um, and appreciate the moment. And um, I hope I have more moments like that in my lifetime. It was really great. Um, I don't know if I'll have one after such a intense project like this. I don't imagine that I'm ever going to do another double album. Um, but, you know, never say never. But um, to just get this thing made, man, and to get it out and to see it in that context, it was unbelievably satisfying. What are the plans for touring and, and what's next for you in this album? That's a great question. Um, and a lot of people have asked. I mean, hundreds of people have messaged me and said, where's the tour? Where's the tour? Where's the tour? And the truth is, and I haven't really spoken about it because I just haven't felt I had the, I don't know, just wasn't right. And not that there's some sort of big announcement to say, but I will tell you, um, the truth is I needed a break. When I came home off the road in December, I was burnt out, uh, specifically on traveling and touring. And you know, for some people, I may be a new artist who's released a sophomore album, but you know my story. I've been doing this since I was seven, 16. Uh, actually, 15. I started gigging uh, multiple nights a week on South Street at 15 years old. Um, and I started really seriously touring at 17. Um, that's a long time ago for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm in my late 30s. So, uh, I love it. I love traveling. I love touring. But, you know, you reach a point every once in a while where you just get burnt on it. And uh, Sun Via, the album cycle, was supposed to be a year and a half. But because Terra Firma was taking longer and longer and longer and, and you know, longer than anybody thought it was going to take, uh, we ended up extending the touring cycle of Sun Via so that I could continue to go out and play shows and have income and make a living and and share the music and all the things that you would expect right so that was helping me also fund the finishing of the album so it kind of was all hand in hand so it ended up being a two and a half year touring cycle now that doesn't mean i was on the road for two and a half years every day but it means that a lot of that time was spent on the road because for every show what people don't understand is that there's a travel day usually for every show day so if you're out if you play 150 shows that could be 300 days you know over a two and a half year period something like that so um i came home exhausted and i said I'm, i need to take some time off i know it's probably not the obvious choice to like say i'm taking a break from touring um as you're releasing the biggest you know album of your lifetime 
but it's what needed to happen. It's what I needed for me, for my own health, my mental health, my family. Um, so I just decided I'm going to take a take a short break. And when I when I go out again and I play and I celebrate this music on stage, it'll be I think all the more triumphant um, when that time comes. And I'm not going to put a, a time on it, but I would imagine I'll be out swinging again in in 2024. Um, but I just needed to take a minute and uh, and again be true to the feelings that I had because I I would never want to go out and um, not really want to be there. That that would be unfair. Nick, it's been a pleasure, man. As always, uh, when you come on the show and and discuss things, I always love the conversations with you. Gosh, man, thanks. The feeling is mutual. You ask these incredible questions that provoke answers that I, I've never had before because I've never heard the question. <laughs> uh, it was really fun. It always is. And I, again, I said this when I first called you, but um, I really appreciate the support that you've shown. And um, I'm not on Twitter anymore, but I, I, I was on for a long time and I saw all the retweets and I still see stuff on Facebook and and uh, other places occasionally. I'm, I'm really grateful that you've gone out of your way to share the music, to bring the awareness of my independent artist journey uh, into the awareness of others. So I'm really grateful. And uh, anything I can ever do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Well, I appreciate the, the, the kind words. And as I told you before we hopped on, um, it's easy when you love the music an artist is, is putting out and it's always been the case with you. And, you know, like I said, in the beginning, um, you know, when, when my son brought me son V and he's like, daddy, I check this out. Um, was blown away. And, and, uh, my son and I would talk about this when we were in the car, we talk about the music. And even now with this album, uh, we did the same thing too. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Everyone, that is Nick Perry from Nick Perry and the Underground Thieves. You can check out his new album, Terra Firma, available everywhere. All his social media and his website will be in the show notes. So once you get done listening to this, go check out the links that are provided in the notes and uh, go get the album, go stream it, go buy it. Whatever you can do to support independent artists is always appreciated. And thanks again for tuning in. Take care of each other. Stay safe. And we will talk soon. Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.